Welcome to the Long COVID podcast with me, Jackie Baxter. I am really excited to bring you today's episode. Please do check out the links in the show notes where you can find the podcast website, social media and support group, as well as a link to buy me a coffee if you are able. You should not rely on any medical information contained in this podcast and related materials in making medical health related or other decisions. Please do consult a doctor or other health professional. I love to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions or feedback or just want to say hey, then please do get in touch. I really hope you enjoy this episode. So here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am really excited today to have with me David Blaine and Emily Combe from Glasgow University. And we're going to talk about their redirect study and hopefully they can explain what that actually stands for. But welcome to the podcast. This is really exciting to have you both here. Maybe we can start off by if you can briefly introduce yourselves and your roles at the university. Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks for having us, Jackie. My name is David Blaine. I'm a GP and a clinical research fellow at the University of Glasgow, and I'm the the co-lead along with Professor Combe on the redirect study. And I'm Emily Combe. I'm a professor of human nutrition at the University of Glasgow, and most of my research focuses on food, diet, and how it matters in lifelong health. Fantastic. And you're working together. There's a bigger team as well, isn't there, for the study? Yeah, that's right. So it's quite a large team. Um, It's made up of researchers from the University of Glasgow, from the counterweight team who deliver the intervention, and from the Long COVID Scotland PPI input as well, people with lived experience of Long COVID. Fantastic. Can you tell us what redirect actually stands for? (laughs) (laughs) So REDIRECT stands for Remote Diet Intervention to Reduce Long COVID Symptom Trial, because it's a trial study. It's also worth maybe mentioning that it's a repurposing of the direct study as well. So there is a kind of research evidence base behind what we're trying to do, although direct was focused on remission of type 2 diabetes. Of course. So hence the RE bit. Hands a wee bit, but a similarity between both is uh, the evidence-based weight management program that is going to be used and is delivered by Counterweight, which is our service delivery partner for this project. Awesome. So can we talk a bit about what the study is and how it works? Okay, so how the study works? Uh, It's a trial. So our aim is to recruit 200 people with long COVID. So at least three months of long COVID symptoms, and also with a BMI over 27. So we're focusing on people who live with both overweight, obesity, and long COVID. And our general hypothesis is that there's a lot of commonalities in the symptoms of long COVID and that associated with overweight and obesity. And we are thinking that weight management could be a strategy to alleviate some of those symptoms that uh, overlap. So those 200 people will be recruited to a remote intervention. We don't need them to come to the unit or to travel to Glasgow. It could be anywhere. They could be from anywhere in the UK. And we're going to randomize them to two groups. So allocate them to either an intervention group, treatment group, or a control group. 
The people in the control group will have to do nothing for six months except fill in questionnaires at regular intervals. But then we don't leave them alone. They get the option of getting the treatment once they've done the six months. And the people in the treatment group are going directly to this remote evidence-based weight management program, which is delivered entirely through an app on the telephone using remote digital technology. And this is with our counterweight partners. And this is a company which is staffed by dietitians and people who are weight management specialists. And for six months, plus an extra six months, the people in the treatment group will get personalized individual kind of one-to-one interaction with the dietitian and they will receive this weight management program which is based on something called TDR which is total diet replacement so during the first 12 weeks people receive soups and sachets to make shakes that will replace the food that they usually eat and that is shown to enable a weight loss which is quite substantial of around 10 kilograms or more and this is this kind of sharp decrease in weight at the beginning of a program that kind of triggers a process. And this is followed on by a weight management phase, weight maintenance phase, which is uh, supported by the dietitian with reintroduction of foods and not just foods, but also what we do around food. So a lot of strategies implemented there. From our side, the research side, we measure outcome at the very beginning at baseline, so at zero three months and six months. And those outcomes are quite special. So some of them are straightforward, you know, quality of life, weight, and weight seems obvious in a weight management trial. But the thing that we're doing, which is a little bit different, is that we're measuring personalized long COVID symptoms. And that's maybe something that David wants to explain a little bit more about. Yeah, sure. So we obviously recognize that people with long COVID have a real range of different symptoms up to 200 in some studies. So we wanted to adapt the trial in such a way that the most significant symptom for any individual could be the main outcome that we were monitoring. For pragmatic purposes, we focused on four of the most common long COVID symptoms of fatigue, breathlessness, pain and anxiety, depression. But there's the option for people to nominate any other symptom that is most problematic for them. And then we'll monitor that over time. So zero, three, six months, uh, six months is the end of what we call the trial. But then people in the treatment arm continue for an extra six months with the weight management program. And we check again how they're doing at month 12. And at six months, the people in the control group start the journey as well. And we also follow them throughout that journey. So this is a trial in a sort of nutshell. And then on top of that, we've got two things which are really important. One is process evaluation, which David is leading on. And the other one is health economic evaluation, which our colleague Emma McIntosh is leading on. So David, do you want to talk about process? So I think it's important to note that we don't know if this is going to work or not. I think long COVID probably has several different underlying mechanisms which produce different symptoms in different people. And we are working on the hypothesis that the anti-inflammatory elements of weight loss might be helpful for some people. So part of the idea with the process evaluation is to go in a bit more detail through interviews with participants to find out how they found the experience of being part of the trial, if their symptoms have got better or worse, why they think that might have been, and that sort of thing. Awesome. 
the study that you repurposed. Have you had results back from that one? So Direct started a wee while ago and now the team that led Direct are awaiting the five-year results. So there is already one-year result, two-year results that are published. And what it showed was that people who were allocated to the TDR intervention and the weight management, weight maintenance intervention did quite well. A large proportion of them lost significant amount of weight, so 10 to 15 kilograms. And this translated in remission of their type 2 diabetes and also no need for medication, improved quality of life. So there is quite a strong evidence base that shows that weight management and weight reduction does work for diabetes. The big question is, is a similar approach going to have a desirable effect, uh, an effect at all for people living with long COVID? And this is a question we're asking here. We'll be right back. I'm interrupting myself for a second to tell you about Long Covid Breathing. The fabulous Vicky Jones and I have teamed up to bring you Long Covid Breathing. We are both passionate about sharing our expertise and experience of the breath and how incredibly helpful that can be with Long Covid. We've worked together to develop a course that is specifically tailored to those with Long Covid. It's a six-week course with 12 sessions, all delivered online. The community feel and learning that we're all sharing is such a joy. To find out more information and to sign up for our courses, workshops and other shorter sessions, please check out the link below, longcovidbreathing.com or email longcovidbreathing at gmail.com to start your breathing journey with us. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, like you say, long COVID is a huge variety of symptoms and different people work through different symptoms every week, quite apart from uh, different people. I think that one-to-one aspect of it is quite important and the fact that you're able to tailor it to each individual. So hopefully that will help as well. Um, uh, Reducing weight in people that are living with obesity has surely got to help them to be generally healthier, whether they have diabetes or long COVID or not. I guess. Yeah, you would think so. But I think there are lots of uncertainties. So equally, my impression is that people who develop long COVID can have different weight trajectories after that. So some of them might lose weight through fatigue or through gastric symptoms, abdominal symptoms, not losing appetite, etc. Whereas others may put on weight, again, through, you know, being less able to do exercise, etc. So there are a lot of unknowns, as as you know. But I think also what we recognise is that because of this is a, a new condition in response to COVID, we don't have many verified treatment options available. So people are trying different things, are trying different diets. And I think that's also where Redirect fits in as an option, is that this is nutritionally balanced, safe, and also remotely delivered. So it does take away some of the cognitive work of meal planning, arranging, buying your meals, you know, that is all really kind of taken care for you for the duration. Absolutely, because people that have fatigue do struggle to make meals. And I mean, my partner does all the cooking, and I'm very lucky that he does. But there'll be a lot of people that don't have that option. When you talk about the remote nature of it, everything nowadays seems to be online and remote, which is really good, I think, in a lot of ways. So that means that you're able to have participants from, you said UK wide, didn't you? 
Yes, there's no restriction on where people should be geographically. Obviously, everything we do is moderated by an ethical framework and we need to ask authorization to deal with people in various places. But in this case, our strategy is going to be mainly through dissemination of the the news about the study opening through social media. So if you are in Dorset and you see the advert, you should be able to contact the team because the study will never require you as a participant to travel to Glasgow or to go to any site. It can all be done through email and the telephone and this app as well. Yeah, it's really, really handy, isn't it, to, to be able to do things like that. You mentioned the um, having to jump through all the, the ethics committees and things. Is it different if you're working just in Scotland and UK wide or is it the same um, governing body, the right word, that oversees all of that? It's the same. It's just small differences in how you ask authorization, but overall it's the same umbrella. So same considerations in relation to GDPR and, and how we use personal information and all these factors. One thing that might be worth saying is alongside the recruitment through social media within Scotland and particularly within Glasgow, we'll be recruiting through GP practices as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the uptake is between general practice recruitment versus social media and networks recruitment. And I suspect we'll probably get more people through social media and and long COVID networks than through primary care, where recording of long COVID is often an issue. And indeed, recording of BMI is often an issue as well. Yeah, and support groups, probably a good place for recruitment as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, being UK wide, you've got access to a whole lot more people with long COVID as well. That's right, that's right. You mentioned that you've consulted with people living with long COVID while you set up at the study and this is obviously welcomed by the long COVID community who really really want to be involved but has it helped you to tailor the study to speaking to people with the lived experience? Absolutely yes. So from the early days of initially discussing whether this might be an idea that could be helpful we consulted with long covid scotland and then shortly after that in while we were preparing the application we sent out a survey of members of long covid scotland to see whether they would be interested in a remotely delivered weight management intervention and and what their views on that would be and it was really positive response which was encouraging for us Alongside that, we have um, a person, Jane, who, who has long COVID, who's a co-applicant on the crowd, so a co-investigator. We have a what we call a PPI, patient and public involvement lead within the university who coordinates that activity. And, and that is all, all the PPI work is reimbursed according to the best practice guidelines. And it's certainly shaped different aspects of the project. Absolutely. I think certainly with such a new condition, you'll find that the people with the lived experience often have the most knowledge or certainly they know what the most important things to look at are in a lot of ways. So just to give an example, the PPI, Jane and Chris would go through, for instance, the questionnaires that we use to see how long it would take to fill them in, whether they'd be able to take breaks and come back to them, how they looked kind of in terms of visually as well. So that was really helpful. Because I think as well, something that you've probably already considered is a lot of people with long COVID have brain fog or cognitive issues. So a 20 page questionnaire is probably not going to happen. That's great that they've been helping. 
You mentioned that you're about to start recruiting and about going through GPs and getting them to signpost people who might be appropriate for the study. But if people listen to the podcast or see it on a social media site and they think that they might be appropriate for it, are you happy for them to just get in touch? Absolutely. Yeah. So we will give the details of the website and the the social media pages, the Facebook and Twitter. But there should be a button on the website which says can I take part? And you can more or less get in touch with the team directly from there. Yeah, something about participating and clicking the button. And I think clicking the button is a first step. And then we've got a research team. We've got two researchers, Laura and Janice, who will be there ready to kind of take questions and explain everything to people because we realize that this is quite a complex study and there's a lot of information. So it's always useful to have someone, a researcher, to talk it through with and they'll be there to do that of course yes I guess the the benefits ought to outweigh any difficulty or stress in getting involved yeah I think it's a well-managed research process and I think the researchers are both experienced and the team is very experienced in helping people with with management and also participating because uh, the act of participating in research is really rewarding, but it, it's a lot of work. So we're there to support them at every step of the way and we can find solutions when things are a little bit difficult. Sometimes technology fails us, so there's always a way to to make sure that everything is ticked and working and in order but yeah it's something people should not be worried about this being science and the process being complicated and question it to be filled because they will be well supported by a research team no one is left alone to struggle with the, the questionnaires and things like that yeah I think that is a good point actually I think a lot of people are wary of participating in research because they think that they need to know something in advance and they think oh well I, I'm not a scientist I can't participate in this research I just have long COVID but actually that's exactly what you need isn't it? Exactly yeah absolutely. I was just going to make the point as well that the total diet replacement then there's options for flexibility within that as well the dietitians will support any transitions in and out of, of that as, as required. Fantastic. So there is a bit of flexibility there as well. Yeah. I mean, dietetic teams, that's their bread and butter, dealing and helping, supporting participant, client, patient in managing their diet and finding ways that works best for them. And that's what Counterweight is doing. That's their specialty, really supporting that weight management process. So finding what will work and supporting the person through that journey. And I guess having the direct study kind of behind you gives people maybe a bit of confidence that it might work. Oh, yeah, that's such a great kind of a tick for this. It's been demonstrated to work in a big group of patients, of people who got on really well with it. And there is this evidence base that gives us confidence to kind of move forward. So I think that's that's a, a definite plus. Is there a website link with some of the the direct results that I can put in the show notes as well? Yes, I'm going to find that for you. I'll add it to the show notes if people want to look at the history, it might be interesting. You said that you're going to start recruiting quite soon. How long will it take you to get it up and running? So we're very, very much hoping to start recruitment this month in November. So we don't know when exactly, but November is our big target. We really want to get going as soon as possible. We've got a few administrative important things to kind of 
do, make sure everything is working and in good order, and then we should be able to get going. And at that point, we'll be able to release the information to the community. And then how long? Well, it depends very much on how well we get on with recruitment. And we've timetable about, I think it's five months to kind of hit our number. But what we're looking for is those 200 people. So depending on the level of interest, that might go much faster than we hoped. And we do hope so, because then it means that we've got more time to kind of really explore the study, do more analysis, have more time to kind of do engagement and then make the most of it. But yeah, it's a big unknown. You never know how fast recruitment goes. Of course, because your criteria for people is quite specific. And of course, you want to get going and get that data. So have you any idea what sort of results you're expecting or certainly what you're hoping for? So we've got an hypothesis and that's the hypothesis we tested. So we're trying to remain impartial about what we want. Of course, every researcher likes to see a positive result. That's a sort of kind of thing that we all have, which is not necessarily ideal, but when we test an hypothesis, we want to see a valid result and the valid result could be, well, it doesn't work. Obviously, we, we hope it will work because it means that it would make a big difference to those people. And ultimately, the aim of doing research is to find solutions that make life better, easier for the people who are the beneficiaries of the, of the research. So what we will get is a set of data that is going to tell us whether or not there is a change in those kind of personalized outcomes that our, our group has selected uh, and is going to tell us whether the weight management made a difference on those or not. And hopefully we'll have enough data to kind of see if there's maybe a subset of outcomes of symptoms that respond better to weight management. And there is not just those outcomes, there's also a lot of measurements around it, quality of life, productivity at work, which will also give us some clues and some answers to our questions. But yeah, we're trying to kind of remain quite uh, neutral on the way things are going because it gives us an open mind. Obviously, we've got a, a strategy, but... Uh, of course, you want it to work. Uh, <laughs> that's a stupid question, isn't it? <laughs> of course. And that's why analysis for those trials are usually blinded. You don't know, you know, you see data, but you don't know if it was a treatment or the control, because otherwise there's always a little risk that if it wasn't done as well as it is, someone might want to kind of see a result a little bit more. But uh, in that case, everything is done, the analysis is done blinded. And this way, the result is not biased. It's, it's as true as it can be. Of course. And if you're looking at different symptoms and all sorts of different people and the different outcomes as well, you could actually get quite a lot of really useful data from that. Yeah. And that's a really new approach. So that's quite exciting. There's not a lot of trials that have followed that kind of uh, mosaic outcome path. So it's exciting. It's something new. And we're very fortunate. We've got a great trial statistician, Professor McConaughey, who is going to lead on that. And I think that's a really exciting part of the trial, seeing how that works out. Definitely. Yeah. So when will you get some results? I mean, you're talking about you've got the, the six month cohorts. Will you get results within that six months or will you wait till the end of the six months trial? I think we will need to wait for the six months. We don't need to wait to the 12 months, but the six months to kind of get the full trial 
and I think that's going to be the point. So we need to wait for everyone to have done the six months to have the full batch of data. So for example, if someone starts this month, they will be done much earlier. They will be complete much earlier than someone who starts maybe in March. We need to, to wait for the last participant to have kind of crossed the timeline to be able to analyze the group. So again, it depends very much on how well we get on with recruiting. Of course. So actually the six month cohort actually could take longer than six months. Yes, because it's not everyone starts at the same time, it's staggered in time. So there is a lot of other things that we're going to. David was talking about the process evaluation, and this will also generate quite a lot of important data. And we're thinking about how we're going to kind of analyze those and also release them. David, do you want to say more about that in terms of dissemination? The usual way that we would disseminate results, there's various different approaches. So we want to think about our different audiences, really. So part of that is the community of people living with long COVID, depending on what the results find. Part of that is other researchers and healthcare professionals. And part of that is policymakers potentially as well. So if we find that this does make a difference, then we want to communicate that in different ways to those different audiences. Of course, because a very complicated explanation is probably not going to work for somebody with long COVID, <laughs> whether it's someone who understands, you know, a researcher or a medical professional would want the medical details, I guess. Yeah, and, and I think also it's important to say that if the redirect study does show some positive outcomes, even if it's for a subgroup of people, then it would almost require further research to understand why that was helpful because we can make hypotheses about why we might think it's helpful but we're not studying the underlying processes and mechanisms as such. So you mentioned just then further study is that something that you might be looking into doing if you did get a result where a subgroup showed better results? Yeah I mean I would say that's a fairly standard approach Research and science evolves in an incremental process where you have of learning here, a positive result here, a negative result here, and you kind of build up a picture over time. So we're certainly not going to answer everything with this study, but hopefully we'll be able to contribute a little piece to the jigsaw. And then those questions can fuel further study, but you don't know what those questions are until you've done the first bit, I guess. Exactly. What would be really awesome would be to get either or both of you back on when you have some results. Yeah, and we can look at our timeline for dissemination. We're putting together the dissemination plan. We've got a draft, but we are formalizing it and hopefully we'll map out for opportunities to kind of engage it, not through just publication, but with other avenues so that we can discuss the studies and the process and what we find, not just with the scientific community, but with everyone. Yeah, of course. Fantastic. Well, good luck with the recruitment and the whole process. And I'll put all the links together here. So if anybody has listened to this and thought that could be the study for me, I'll make sure that they know where to go. Thank you very much for having us on the podcast. Oh, thank you very much for coming on. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much to all of my guests and to you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it or at least found it useful. The Long Covid podcast is entirely self-produced and self-funded. I'm doing all of this myself. If you're able to, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash longcovidpod to help me cover the costs of hosting the podcast. Please look out for the next episode of the Long Covid podcast. It's available on all the usual podcast hosting things. And do get in touch at 